Short and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Apparently it is very cold in space. You know the thing about space? Cold. You got to wear long sleeves. I know, that's, in space especially. That's It's really all you need to fix that problem. Well, welcome to another author spotlight where we flip things around. You know, instead of you reading an author, we tell you about the author, which means you'll get more out of reading them, we hope. You know, flipping it around. See what we're doing? Flipping fantastic. Uh, in fact, we're going to begin by telling you the nine things you need to know about a guy who knows about flipping things around, Jim C. Hines. Jim C. Hines has worked as a volunteer crisis counselor in East Lansing and as the male outreach coordinator for the MSU Safe Place. He lives in Michigan and works for a secret society called the State Government. He once wrote and sold a bumper sticker. Jim wrote the Goblin Quest series in order to tell a fantasy adventure from the monster's point of view. It stars Jig the Goblin. Jig is a heroic coward, but really, aren't most goblins... No sweeping generalizations? That's Sorry. Goblinist. Yeah. Heinz's story, Blade of the Bunny, won the Writers of the Future contest in 1998. His one non-fantasy novel, Goldfish Dreams, was written as a mainstream rape awareness novel, according to Heinz. The Princess series, which is about what happens if you get the princess from the non-family-friendly version of a fairy tale to fix their own problems, is told Action Girl style. Badass. Yeah. He admitted on Twitter he was sitting four feet from a window and checked Google for the weather anyway. Uh, then he wrote facepalm. He's one of us. Welcome, Jim. His Magic Ex Libris series tells the story of a magic-wielding librarian, a dryad, and a secret society founded by Johannes Gutenberg. There's also a flaming spider and an enchanted convertible. Why haven't you started reading it yet? Heinz makes a blog post every year about his income from writing because there's very little data about how much money writers actually make. He believes lots of folks have unrealistic ideas about such things, and uh, he blames Castle. I blame Castle for most things. He once attempted to mirror the anatomically incorrect poses of women as depicted on many fantasy book covers, including his own. He kicked off a discussion on his own blog and others, but found the poses painful. He wrote, quote, You can't fight from these stances. I can barely even walk. Now you know Jim C. Hines looks great in a dress, but there's more to him than that, as Aaron shows us in the whiteboard. If Jim Hines had never penned a word, he would still be my hero. Like the Hawkeye Initiative, his satirical take on the presentation of women in genre fiction has had a Mjolnir-like impact on the insular boys' club atmosphere of the geekosphere. The Reddit incident demonstrates his commitment to those principles. He is an agent for justice on a mission to drag geek culture, kick and scream though it might, out of its metaphorical parents' basement and up into the sunlight. Happily, he's also a fine writer, and I've mentioned before how his Goblin Quest series forced me to reassess some, well, questionable behavior, which my D&D characters may or may not have been a party to. Genocide is such an ugly word. I would be remiss if I did not also mention Heinz Libriomancer, a book predicated on one of the secret truths at the heart of geekery. Knowledge isn't just power. It's fun. Librarians get all the fun. The boys have already been handed my copy of Goblin Quest. At this point, I'm simply waiting for my tiny tyrant to be old enough for me to share his excellent princess series with her. Finish him! Though I'm not really sure she needs any more assertiveness training. Fatality! I don't know, I play video games, I turned out okay. Did mostly. you? Yes. Ish. Yes, I mean, ish, yes! Mostly ish. You did! Okay. No, you can't have too much assertiveness. <laughs> That's right, Tom. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, you know who knows the most about Jim C. Hines? Jim C. Hines does. Thanks for joining us on the show, Jim. Oh, thanks for having me. 
So tell us more about the Magic X Libra series, and especially about the new book. Okay, well, right now there's two books. The first one is Libriomancer. The second one is Codex Born. Basically, uh, it's a magic-using librarian from Michigan's Upper Peninsula who has the ability to reach into books and pull stuff out. Uh, whether that's a lightsaber, laser blaster, magic potions, pretty much anything that fits through the pages. And he also has a pet spider who sets things on fire. I've heard a lot about this pet spider, yeah. actually. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of spider fans in our audience. We'll, we'll get to some the, listener questions. The fire spider is like the most popular character I've ever done, which I would not have called that. Huh. Is, it, is it the combo, do you think? The fire uh, and the spider? I think partly, uh, and partly uh, Smudge, the fire spider, it just seems smarter than everybody else. Mm. You know, he's just a little spider, but he's the one who looks at things and says, no, I'm going to run away. Yeah. Or if he sees something that he can kill, he's just gleeful and happy about it. Well, we want to... fun. Yeah, he is. And, and it, it, it's, a, it's a deservedly beloved character, uh, I believe. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what got you into wanting to become an author. We have a lot of aspiring authors in our audience. Oh, the poor souls. Yes, Warren them. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, I've, I've always been a geek. I've always been into science fiction and fantasy. You know, I was watching Star Trek as a little kid, all of the original series reruns. But it wasn't until uh, probably college that I had a friend who had been writing some short stories. And he would give them to me and say, hey, read this. Tell me if I suck. And, you know, I read them and, hey, this is, this is kind of cool. I should try this because, hey, how hard can it be? Um, Famous last words. <laughs> oh, yeah. But as I started writing and getting rejected all over the place... I discovered that I loved it. I loved being able to create. Uh, I loved those moments of inspiration when, oh, this is perfect. This is, ex this. and, you know, writer, naturally, I'm out of words now, but. You, know, you use just, save them for the page. That's fine. Right, <laughs> right. This is why I revise four times before anybody sees anything. <laughs> no, there are moments when everything just comes together and it's the best feeling in the world. And it makes up for the other 90% of the time. Right. Those moments of clarity are, all, are all, all totally worth it, where you're like, this works. Love it. Yep. Just there are certain scenes or certain phrases. And then as I got more into it and started actually publishing being able to connect to readers, you know, not only am I telling stories now, but people are actually reading them. Wow. Um, it's, it's wonderful. There's nothing else like it. Now you've read, I mean, you've, you've written a ton of short stories, like almost too many to mention. What do you like about that format as opposed to doing something longer like a novel, which of course you've also done? I've, I've done about 40 some short stories. Yeah. Um, I think the, one of the nicest things about it is I can experiment. I can try new things without having to commit a year to it. Um, there are gags and ideas I can play with. Like a few years back, I did a parody of Sesame Street with a werewolf. There's no way I could have dragged this out for an entire book. I don't but know. At a short... I'd read that. 
it's on my website. Um, or the last story I did was a humorous story about cancer, which was challenging and kind of messed up at times. But in that short format, I could make this work. Whereas trying to do it at novel length, there's just no way. Yeah, I can imagine that would be a challenge. Uh, okay, so we got a bunch of listener questions. The first one comes from Sile, who says he wants to tell you how much I enjoyed your subversion of the hero wins heroine and all's well that ends well trope uh, in Libromancer. I wanted to know, why does using Libromancy cause the Libromancer to use up lots of energy but also be uninclined to eat or rest? And why does it cause char on the books when they are used to off? It's a very specific question. Somebody's been reading. Yeah. Um, well, the char uh, is basically sort of magical burning of the book. And that all comes down to energy flow. You know, you're pulling energy through the book. Eventually, that's going to have an effect. You know, if you pump too much voltage through a wire, it melts pull too much magic through a book, it starts to burn. Um, For the Libriomancer, it is an issue of metabolism. Um, The the use of magic, um, it means your body is also channeling a lot of energy. And everything just gets shifted into overdrive. You know, the metabolism kicks into high gear... This is where it's burning off a lot of calories. You end up losing weight, etc. And, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that, okay, I've just done magic. I need to go get some Gatorade. Um, <laughs> but it also, it just kills the appetite. You know, it, you've done this. Uh, it's almost like an adrenaline rush. Hmm. You know, you get done with this really intense event your body's kind of in shock and you're just a little nauseated. You know, you don't have an appetite yet, even though you want to, which means on the one hand, Libriomancy can work as a very effective weight loss plan. Mm, mm, good to know. But it's, it's not a healthy one. Right. Yeah. It well, almost sounds like... Most diets aren't. It's, well, it's true. Yeah. yeah it's true. a little similar to fighting off a disease, even though it's not a disease. Kind of. It's... It's putting your body through more than it's designed to do. Right. It's like the consumption. <laughs> that would be a very big... Cons- yeah. Consum- consumption. We need yes. Mary Robinette Cole now. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question comes from Joe Informatico, who says, Is there a book or an author outside of the science fiction fantasy genres that influences you in your writing? Yes. Oh, and who he- would that be? <laughs> Joe didn't write a follow-up. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a yes or no question. Yes, Our no bad. No, I would probably go with Charles Schultz, which is a little bit of an odd choice. Ah. He's the one who did Peanuts. Mm-hmm. But I, Peanuts, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, they're one of the first things I ever started reading You know, as a little kid. My parents had some old collections of the Peanuts books, and I would just go down into the basement and grab one. But there's something, you know, partly it's the style. It's very straightforward and clean. Um, Partly it's the characterization. Uh, I, well, I could relate to Charlie Brown a lot growing up. Um, And then as I got older, as I started writing, 
Snoopy is my muse. Snoopy gets it. Yeah. Nice. Um, and there's just, there was a lot about the the comics and the style and the message that connected with me. Yeah. He's not trying to draw these really fancy, detailed images. It's just very clean lines, which, while I can't draw worth anything, I kind of try and do that same sort of thing in my writing style. Just very clean, very straightforward. Here you go. Cool. I, I like that parallel uh, a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, it makes me wonder, like, if you could compare authors to to artists, like, what the pairings would be. Oh, yeah. That'd be a cool That'd project. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Someone we should totally than do us that. Should do we that. should. Oh, or I guess we could try. I love that. <laughs> uh, Christopher has a question here. Uh, what? What? Ho- he likes the Goblin novels. Wants more Goblin novels. Do you have any anything to offer Christopher in this arena? Well, thank you. First of all, um, there is an ebook uh, you can get uh, Amazon, my website, wherever, called Goblin Tales that has, I believe, five short stories about the goblins. In terms of another book, I've been saying for years that I'm probably not going to write another Goblin book. I'm still not planning to do it immediately, but I will say that in the back of my mind, there is this little idea that started growing. Hmm. And I, I don't want to write more books just for the sake of writing more books. You know, when I wrote the three goblin books jig's story came it came to a nice end everything felt wrapped up it was done but there may be something i come back to and start playing with in a few years how about that christopher that's pretty good mm. um can you tell us a little bit more about that series because i've heard a lot of people talking about it and we've got jig the jig the destroyer is that right Jake the Dragon Slayer. The Dragon Slayer. Yes. I knew, okay. I knew it was something totally epic like that. Um, tell us about him a little bit and, and what he's going through in his adventures. Oh, poor Jig. <laughs> Jig is this scrawny, nearsighted runt of a goblin. And, I mean, goblins are at the bottom of the food chain anyway. So he is pretty much the lowest of the low. Um, he also has a pet fire spider named Smudge. Uh, that's where Smudge from Libriomancer came from. Oh. It was pulled out of those books into these. A little crossover it's very, action. Yeah, it's very meta. Um, but Jig wants nothing to do with adventure, nothing to do with heroism, and absolutely nothing to do with dragons. God, no. Dangerous. But he sounds smart. He is smart, and that's what gets him in trouble. He is pretty much the smartest one in the lair, Scrawny, you know, not not a warrior, but he gets dragged into these adventures, um, kicking and screaming most of the time. And it's just, well, for me at least, they were a lot of fun. I got to poke at different fantasy tropes and assumptions. I got to show what life was like. I mean, we see all of the heroes on their quests. What if you're one of the monsters who's just sitting around there when all these humans come barging into your home looking for treasure? It kind of sucks. You know, you're just doing their mind in your own business, and here they come with their magic and their swords, and 
it, to me, it almost sounds like a parallel a to to Lord of the Rings in the way. Like it's it's similarly a tale of a reluctant adventurer, hmm. uh, like like Bilbo or Frodo, for example. And then, I, but it's almost the the opposing point of view. It's like, well, now I'm the goblin or I'm the troll, and I've got these people coming into my lair, and I have to deal with it. And I'm just I don't, trying I don't to get by in Dol Guldur, and then yeah, I just wanted to like hang out and like have lunch, and now all of a sudden people are traipsing around and. Yeah, so I, I like that point of view, that perspective. Uh, the thing is that when Jig has lunch, he would be eating Bilbo. Sure. Right, exactly. A little hobbit Because flesh. goblins. Tasty. Because goblins. Right. <laughs> is there a little Charlie Brown in Jig? Huh. We just blew your mind. We you did. your mind. I have a new idea for fan art now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I had never thought of it that way, but absolutely. It was just your description just now made that click for me. No, yeah. There's, I, Jig, Jig comes out okay in the end. Um, I hope that's not spoiling. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. <laughs> you know, Jig has three books. You, I, I will give away that he lives to do three books. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of that underdog, a lot of that why me, good grief. Yeah. With dragons. Yeah, with, with dragons, dragons as, as Lucy Van Pelt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, Serendy wants to know, can I have a fire spider? That's fine by me. Yeah, all right. Uh, what are, what are some wanna... of the perils of, of fire spider ownership? What should she be looking out for? Well, when I brought Smudge into the quote-unquote real world for Libriomancer, um, you know, part of the fun in those first few chapters was, okay, how is he going to adapt to this? How much is he going to freak out? Smudge is neurotic. Uh, he gets frightened if he's left alone. And when he gets frightened, he sets things on fire. Mm. Um, the protagonist for Libriomancer has a sort of a flashback story about leaving Smudge alone at home one day when he went to work. Coming home and Smudge has melted his way out of his cage, crawled into his laundry basket, and set all the dirty underwear on fire. <laughs> That sounds kind of like my six-month-old puppy. I was going to say. I don't think she could burn her way out of her kennel yes. if left alone for too we long, hope. unfortunately. We hope. We hope. I mean, there's still a chance. Anything's possible. Um, oh, and then we have a question from Anton. Anton. Anton, hmm, who says, please ask him, who does he think he is stealing my Wear Jaguar fan fiction ideas? You know, oh, Anton. Anton has some nice books of his own, um, but... You know, they don't have goblins. Yeah. They don't have fire spiders. And the poor man has just been so obsessed with me ever since we did a <laughs> panel together at Gen Con years ago. It's it's kind of sad, really. It, it sounds like you're familiar with this Anton. Mm. I know Anton. Mm. He, sounds, he sounds familiar to me as well. Yeah. Getting something in ringing there. a bell. Yeah, ringing yeah. a little bell in my, in my mind. Anton Strout. He, he's a good That's guy. That's the guy. <laughs> we give each other crap when we get bored because... That's what we do. I love the interplay between different authors. You know, doing, do, having done this show for so long now, I guess it's almost been almost six or seven years now, and, and we've met so many great authors, but my favorite part is actually seeing the interplay between other authors and, like, you know, giving each other a hard time and, and Reddit, like, AMAs and all sorts of stuff. Like, it's, it's such a great, great community. It's, it's, it's fun to see it really everyone is. interacting. I, I love my author people. I, you know, I don't see them as often as I'd like, you know, because we're scattered all over the place. But even just being able to go online and connect and chat, it's like a giant water cooler slash bar 
full of really cool, really smart people. And, and me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, and it's fun for us because we get to lurk over in a corner in the bar and listen in on the conversations right. when they're on Twitter or Reddit. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really fun. Yeah. So super questions? Time for the super questions. Super questions. Uh, these are two big questions, some of which we asked to multiple authors. Uh, the first one is, what is your crutch word? My crutch word? It could be spoken, like at panels, it could be written, but that word that you're always like, oh, I always use that word. Oh, good question. It used to be just the word that. Um, I think I've started to train myself out of overusing it. Just sprinkling it in. Yeah, everything was that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that laptop that he took to that convention. And um, These days... I've got one, and I'm totally blanking on it. Um, I think this is what happens when I'm in first draft mode, because I'm working on the first... uh, I've got about 20,000 words of the new novel. And first draft is just... I don't care. I don't pay attention. First draft is supposed to be crap. Yeah, yeah. And and I take that to heart. Um, So I'm not paying attention to the words as much. I'm not paying attention to polish... Yeah, it's funny when you when you realize a, a crutch word and suddenly you see it everywhere. But that's the devilishness. Yes. you've written ever. Crutch words are crutch words because they hide from you, and that's what the that's what his when crutch do, word is doing right now. When I do like it like is. a dialogue Speaking. on like like written dialogue, I start all my characters start every sentence with well, <laughs> so well, so well, well, well. I'm like that is so weak, so lame. That well, is so well weak. That is so well weak. <laughs> Anyway. I'm just going to write an entire okay. story out of crutch words. Yeah, that'd be actually pretty funny. That's actually, cool. that's another there one. There you go. Actually, basically, you're right. Three. Basically, yes, that actually. is one of mine. Ah. Yeah, mine too. Curses. All right, our second question. If the C <laughs> could stand for anything besides your middle name, what should it be? <laughs> See, you're making me think. I'm sorry. I know. That's why they're super questions. Eight hours on a plane last night. (laughs) I've always been rather fond of cromulent. Cromulent Ah, It's a cromulent word word itself. It's a great word. Cromulent is good. Yeah. I I could live with Jim Cromulent Hines. There we go. And now you will. Perfect. And we realize that's a pretty specific question. We probably won't be asking too many others, other authors, what the C stands for. No, you're right. In their name. Well, this is the the chance for all of your other guests Drop the middle initials now. <laughs> While you still can. <laughs> yes. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I know you're super busy traveling and being at conventions, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. His most recent uh, book is Codex Born, the second in the Magic X Libra series. Came out November 7th, 2013. Absolutely. Well, that's it, folks. If you want to see more Sword and Laser, there is lots. You can join our Goodreads group at goodreads.com and subscribe to the podcast, both audio and video, at swordandlaser.com. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, Lem, can you get the lights?